July 31st, 2022. I want to talk to you this morning in a different fashion than the usual Sunday morning classes. Generally speaking, well, I guess the best way to say this is the way I had a professor in graduate school once said it to us. So there's two ways of analyzing and studying philosophy. He said you can do philosophy and you can study philosophy. To do philosophy means you're involved with developing new theories and approaches to the world of philosophy. To study philosophy means you're looking back at what exists and trying to make sense of it, almost like a historian or a person who's philosophizing about philosophy that's already existent. Uh, to the best of my understanding, what we've done on Sunday mornings for some time is we've studied halakha. And what I mean by studying halakha is we've tried to, and that's what we will in the future do as well, try to understand, so to speak, uh, not as an outsider per se, but what's taking place, what are the trends, and what were the motivations and the directions of halakha over the course of time. This morning, for reasons that I'll explain in a moment, I'd like to do halakha. I'd like to get involved in a particular case and try to determine together with you, at least in my mind, what the appropriate angle and direction with regards to the halakha could or should be. And it goes as follows. This past Friday, some, many of the people in this room, prayed in the uh, 705 minyan. You may have noticed in the 705 minyan, during Kiryat Torah, there was a young boy who read from the Sefer. Now that was fully with the consent of the rabbi, but apparently not with the consent of some of the constituents and congregants. And as a result, I'd like to, after the fact, try to explain it a bit with regards to the background and in turn the sources and decisions that went into that, uh, that occurrence. So it goes as follows, just with regards to the case, because it's very important. There was a young man who on Parashat Pinehas, we read Parashat Pinehas just two weeks ago on Shabbat, for the youth minyan, had prepared the Kiriah for Rosh Chodesh. That's, of course, in Parashat Pinehas. He prepared it to read from the Sefer. Unfortunately, he had stomach virus. He had an issue that Shabbat. He didn't make it to Knis. He had spent a lot of time preparing to read from the Torah during the youth minyan on Shabbat morning and was not able to do so. As a result, a family member, not explaining to me that he was calling as a family member, which was important, called me and asked, is there a possibility that he could read? He's not bar mitzvot. Can he read from the sefer on Friday morning when it's Rosh Chodesh? That's the question. The context is very important. Um, now, in the past, in different contexts, we've had a class on a different issue. It sounds similar, but it's different, and that is, can a katan, can a child below the age of 13 get an aliyah? That's one question, that's one issue. Not to be confused with this issue of whether the child, the katan, can read the sefer for the kahal, can read it for the minyan. So that's what I'd like to address today. We'll understand very quickly why we shouldn't uh, confuse those two issues. It begins with a, at this point in and stage in our national history, a very famous beraita in Masechet Megillah and Dafkaf Gimal. The Mishnah, which is cited by Shohan Aruch here in source number one, in Siman Resh Pebet Saif Gimal states as follows, the beraita, excuse me, Hakol Olin Leminyan Shiva, all can be counted for the count of seven. Of course, it's referring to seven aliyot on Shabbat morning. Afilu isha, even a woman, vikatan, and a child, provided that the child knows to whom he's blessing. That's a qualification with regards to a berachah, a katan. We want to make certain that the child knows who they're blessing 
which means, say, for argument's sake, there's another derivative of this law. If you were to hear a little child making a beracha, and they have no such concept of a God, and they're making the beracha, the halacha happens to be for reasons to be discussed separately, but it's inappropriate and maybe asur for you to say amen to such a beracha. I remember very starkly when I, had a, I was together with a good friend and his four-year-old daughter made a beracha, and I very proudly answered amen, gave her such a... Uh, you know, congratulate her on a beautiful beracha. My friend turned to me and said, you can't say beracha, to, you can't say amen to that. So I turned to her and I said her name and I said, who were you making that beracha to? And with a big smile, she proudly said, to Hashem. I said, that's it, there it is. Anyway, that's the halacha with regard to the child we're talking about. It has to be yodea lemi mevarachin. doesn't mean they understand the content of the beracha even. So it means... For argument's sake, with regards to this law, we're not talking about 13 or 12. We're talking about a child who knows lemim mevarechin. Aval, however, ameru hachamim. This is all the words of the Beraita, which Shohanaru copied over. Isha lo tikra b'sibur hasibur. A woman should not be publicly reading because of, quote-unquote, those enigmatic, mysterious words, kevod hasibur, because of the honor of the congregation. Now, those words are specifically stated in the context of a woman. That doesn't mean that it doesn't extend as well, maybe based on the time and age or whatever, to a child, as, to a child. but Shohanaruch, the Beraita, only says it by a woman. It's interesting, if you ask me, the fact that Shohanaruch is almost reading like a history book over it. This is a parenthetic point, because the Beraita teaching me the history. Listen, once upon a time, women were able to read from the Sefer. However, it was inappropriate. Again, not trying to define those words because nobody can sufficiently without having the room erupt. Now, that's just forever. We have, we have struggled to define those words. But why would Shohan Aruch do that? Shohan Aruch is a law book. It's purpose to tell us the law. It should say, and it would seem to me, says, even a woman, however, the rabbis say that a woman shouldn't. As there's some sort of... Uh, is Shohan Aruch just trying to educate us, or is there something more to it? None other than Chacham ben Siona Basha'ul in Sheilot Tushbot Or Lesion suggests, in a question that was posed to him, a circumstance, there was a Shabbat, family Shabbat, and they made a personal minyan. And the matriarch of the family, the grandmother, the sitol, wanted to get an aliyah. Is it appropriate in that circumstance? It's just a family minyan. There's objectively, at least in his opinion, no issue of kevod sibur. It's not in any way inappropriate. For she is the matriarch of the family. Hacham ben Siona Basho'ul didn't just say it. It's in his book, She'elot Shbot Orlesion. In such a circumstance, the woman, the grandmother, could get an aliyah. Along the same lines, a bit different, but fascinating. And, and his proof is from Shohan Aruch. Why does Shohan Aruch need to tell me the history? Shohan Aruch is telling me that this sort of restriction of the rabbis was not to uproot the initial uh, status of this, uh, nature of this mitzvah. It's rather to qualify it and to tell you, you have to determine. In other words, don't state that since there's, quote, an issue of kibbutz sibur, it's relevant under all circumstances. It's relevant in circumstances of whatever that is kibbutz sibur. If you have the broad shoulders of Hacham Ben Sion to determine that that Shabbat, where it's a family, is not a kibbutz sibur issue, then you could have a woman, again, this is all with regards to getting an aliyah. Along the same lines, not published. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, what? Interesting. Interesting. All right. Ayen alav. I don't think so because the aliyah was a keriyah. Okay. 
Interesting. I don't know that it matters in this context per se. Again, assuming a woman, you know, in that circumstance. What's that? It always the lashon hachamim is always katan. It's just always the way it's done. You sometimes do not for this class, though. <laughs> uh, what I will tell you is another qualification, another another circumstance. It's uh, it's published in the book by uh, Avishai ben Hayim. He's a journalist in Israel who studies the Haredi world, most specifically the Sfaradi world. He published a book called. It's something along the lines of Maran Hacham Ovadia Yosef, I forgot the exact name. And in it, he sets forth some interesting things, some things that are controversial with regards to his understanding and so forth. But he has a transcription of a class. The class that he transcribed is Hacham Ovadia Yosef. It's, it's on cassette somewhere. I just never heard it or, you know, whatever. I wasn't present. I think it was in 1992, 93 or something like that. He's talking about the following theoretical case. He says, there's a Mejnun, I think those were his words. There's a crazy uh, Shamor. And I don't know what he has in his mind. He says, Ta'amod Rahel Batribka. He says, What are you supposed to do in such a circumstance? So you, you imagine you smack him on the head and you say, He says, In such a circumstance, Rahel Batribka should come up to take the Aliyah. What are you talking about? He says, Listen, you're not supposed to kibbutz asibur, but now that you made that declaration, whatever, it's on the circumstance. All right, anyway, all that is not where I want to go in this class. What I want to focus on is the katan. Now, what it does say is that a katan is a part of the Minyan Shiva. There is a debate amongst poskim, and we'll get to it and touch on it very briefly, about whether this is specifically when you have seven aliyot, or even on a weekday when you have three aliyot, why would we distinguish we've discussed separately, but furthermore, most pertinent to our issue, is, is that statement with regards to hakol olin, with regards to an aliyah, in other words, the reason I could distinguish would be as follows. I'd say the child gets an aliyah. The child goes up, might make the berachot in today's day and age, once upon a time perhaps didn't. They then are reading for themselves, quote unquote. The sibur is present, but they made their own berachot and they read as well for themselves. Everybody listened to it. That might be in contrast to a case where the child, as it was on Rosh Chodesh Friday, is not getting the aliyah at all. In such a circumstance, it means if I went up for the aliyah, I made the berachot, and that child perhaps is being mosimi. Is that okay? We generally have a principle, the Mishnah tells us in Masechet Rosh Hashanah, that if you're not mechuyav badavar, if you're not obligated, you can't fulfill, fulfill it for someone else. You're not able to be mosi. That's really where this issue comes to the fore. Whereas in Chilek Dalet of Yehavedat, Chacham Vadya Yosef talks about the status of a child getting an aliyah, with regards to a child being a Baal Koreh, that's a whole separate issue. Now it's not to say that we haven't discussed this for quite some time. It was not the first time this past Friday nor Shabbat where we had headaches that reverberated, or at least I did as a result of this infamous occurrence. It's been discussed for quite some time. Magen Abraham is one of the main, if not the main commentator to Shohan Aruch Orachayim. Name was Rabbi Avraham Gombiner. He was a uh, Polish rabbi, lived a little bit over 300 years ago. He has the following brief statement right there in Siman Resh Pe Bet Saif Katan Vav, it's on those statements, that statement we read earlier. Aval, Lihiot Hu Makre, 
He says, however, in contrast to him being ole, to be kore, eno yachol. He can't. The child may not. Ad until he fully matures, both physically and in terms of age. He's citing from some, someone. He quotes some tishubot of Rabbi Meir of some or another. That you'll find in source number three. Source number three is a Greek rabbi. His name was Rabbi Meir Melamed. He lived in the late 16th century into the 17th century. So really spanning back with regards to She'elot Tishbot Mishpat Tzedek. Best of my knowledge, you can't find one with a normal font. It's for that reason there's an ellipsis in the middle. I could not read those words. Hakelal ha'ole, it should say. Delefi aniut ati en reshaim lihiot makre lekatan afilu be'akrai be'alma. Afilu be'akrai means even once in a while. Forget about him being the standard ba'al kore. Kol shelo igia liyodgim al shanim shelemot v'yavi shetesearot. His principle... And for the reason that we mentioned earlier is that a child can't be motzi. That would seem to be an open and shut circumstance. I mean, then we should say that under all circumstances, the same way a child can't fulfill mitzvot for me in any situation, I'm not going to have a child saying kiddush in order to fulfill the mitzvah for me, so too the child can't read from the sefer. Really, the issue should be closed, and I should bow my head in shame and say that I made a mistake on Friday. And I was fully aware of the circumstance in answering the question with with regards to much of the background over here. And all this notwithstanding, I tell you, there's still some of a somewhat of a storied history to this. Take a look, for example, in source number four. Source number four, four is uh, in the book Emet Yaakov. Emet Yaakov is written by Rabbi Israel Yaakov Al-Ghazi, who's the son of, uh, more famously, Hacham Yom Tov Al-Ghazi, known for his works. He quotes first from Knesset HaGedolah, it's Rabbi Chaim Ben Benishti. Uh, uh, rabbi Al-Ghazi was, uh, uh, he, he lived much of his life in, in Jerusalem. He's a 17th to 18th, 18th century a rabbi, if I'm not mistaken, he begins in Izmir. Anyway, he writes, Shekatab de kol mitzvah de chiyuvah midivrei sofrim, katan shigia lechinuch mozietar he has a counter angle. His counter angle goes as follows. He says, listen, when it comes to Kiryata Torah, we're probably dealing with something that's rabbinic in nature. It's not per se a mitzvah from the Torah. Open up to Hamishah Humshe Torah, search far and wide for a mitzvah to read the Sefer Torah on Monday, Thursday, Saturday, Saturday afternoon. There's no such thing. It's at best, he suggests, Divrei Sofrim, it's rabbinic in nature. Isn't it Divrei Nevi'im, says Haimi. Haimi's referring to Mishnah at the end of the 8th Perek which suggests that Moshe Rabbeinu tikin lahem li Yisrael. Hold that thought. What's the status of takanat Moshe Rabbeinu? In other words, does it have a status so does it? You have always this sort of question with regards to Mikra Migilah as well. Mikra Migilah, is it the status of, you know, Ruach HaKodesh Nivuah type of thing, or is it rabbinic in nature? The assumption right now is that Kiryata Torah will be Midrabbanan. As a result, the thought is that Ezra Sofer expands the Moshe Rabbeinu Takana and, and defines it further. As a result, his claim is, since we're dealing with a rabbinic in nature mitzvah, Children who, yes, are diminished in terms of their status, but they're obligated, rabbinically speaking as well, the Gemara in several places mentions how children have a mitzvah of either on their parent or on themselves, in order to get accustomed to the mitzvah. The suggestion then of, of Rabbi Al-Ghazi here in source number four is that children can read from the Sefer, and he says it very clearly on this matter. He says, <laughs> As long as it's higia lechinuch, 
as long as the child's capable of understanding the mitzvah and performing it, they can be Of course, that's a little bit older than but certainly at the age of six, seven, eight, it means as far back as 350, 400 years, we're debating this issue. How did this issue resolve itself? Of course, it didn't resolve itself. An important Ashkenazic German rabbi in 18th century and his excuse me, in his Eshel Abraham, his commentary to Magen Abraham right over there, deals with this matter, struggles with it, isn't fully certain about it, has an angle both ways, and ultimately determines if you're in the following situation, and only it appears in the following situation. Nobody else to read from the Sefer. Now understand as a Sfaradi how we understand this. We hear nobody else to read from the Sefer. We get very nervous, the Sfaradim historically, get very nervous more than Ashkenazim about Beracha Levata. Harambam's opinion, it appears clear is that is what you violate in Beracha Levatala. That's in contrast to Tosafot's opinion is Lotisa is only when you're in Bedin. So you mentioned God's name in vain in testimony, in that context. Whereas the Svaradim said, oh, it's under all circumstances. The claim is that Shohan Aruch as well is of the opinion like Harambam. That being the case, potentially you can have a child reading from the Sefer. It might not be fulfilling anything for us. You're going to put people up to be Ole, says Peri Megadim. Sure, under that circumstance and only under that circumstance, if there's nobody else to read from the Sefer, since I'm uncertain about this, yeah, it's certainly not our our case on Friday, we had David Seton, we had everybody in the room who knows how everybody else. we can't lean back on Piri Megadim sufficiently and state that we're following him. I'll make it even more difficult than Sheilot and I'll make clear. This not, might not convince all, but it'll give an angle, it'll give an understanding. In She'elot Teshubot, Ginat Veradim. Ginat Veradim was an important Egyptian rabbi, 17th century, early 18th century, if I'm not mistaken. Egyptian rabbi has broke prolifically his four halakim to Ginat Veradim. He's asked this issue, or rather he addresses this issue, and you should read the Teshubah more than just what I wrote in front of you, because he is very angry in this Teshubah. Ha'sheliach sibur she'mashmi'at ha'keriyal rabim hu ha'sirsur. Sirsur means the middleman. Now this is a rabbinic notion, several Gemarot and Zohar and others, that the vision when we read Sefer Torah is we're reenacting Ma'amad Har Sinai, taken to a full extent with regards to several halachot. Many people are very scrupulous, scrupulous and careful that there be two people at the Sefer Torah. If the Baal Koreh is getting an aliyah, why do we put someone to stand next to them? Why do that? What's the purpose of having someone stand next to them? They're getting the aliyah, you don't need someone to stand. The answer is, there's a source in Talmud Yerusham, it says, he says, you stand with me, reenacting Har Sinai. We say, oh, here's God and there's Moshe. It's a scary thought. It means Baal Koreh is, so to speak, like God. Furthermore, or perhaps a little bit lower, maybe the Baal Koreh is like Moshe. Either way, you slice it. This is no small matter, says Kinat Veradim. Do you understand what we're doing during Kiryat Torah? We're reenacting Har Sinai. You're telling me a child's going to be leading the Sibur in reenactment of God? In reenactment of Moshe? Oh, come on, he's very angry. And to the extent that some Ashkenazim have the minhag following Maharam Mirotenberg, Maharam, Ramah cites this in his glasses to Shuhan that a whole Sibur should be standing up during Kiryat Torah. Why would they have such a notion? Because the Basuk says they were mityatsev they were standing, we're reenacting. We're all standing. There is an interesting ramification with regards to the vision of Torah being the reacceptance of the Torah at Sinai. 
And that is that the notion of not taking money for teaching Torah is learned from the words of God to Moshe. Excuse me, the words of Moshe to Am Yisrael. The words of God which I was instructed. The same way I did it for free, so to you for free. That one we a little bit pushed aside. You know, that's why. No, there's ways of your favorite word, rationalizing that one. But ultimately speaking, we do, for many issues, take these sorts of matters seriously. I can't accept it. Can you imagine a child? And he goes further and he reveals exactly what's bothering him. It's not per se that it's a child once. It's not that it's a child two times. He's dealing with a circumstance where apparently the child has a kol arev v'naim, has a beautiful voice. So they want the balkore to be the uh, cotton. They want a child to be balkore. That's who they want. He's got a good voice. He's a choir guy. You know, that's what we want. He says, that's not beautiful. That's terrible. That's not good honor for the kahal. Means, again, ginat v'radim is not, is, is not circumstantial. That's appointment of, uh, of the position. How did this play out, let's call it in the last hundred or so years, making our ways a little bit further and then pulling it back again in Mishnah Berura. Mishnah Berura, of course, written by the Hafez Hayim, Rabbi Yisrael Meir Kohen of Radin. In his book, Mishnah Berurah, his commentary right there in Siman Resh Pebet, he records both opinions. He records the opinion that says you can't have a katan read the sefer, and he has an opinion that says you can. And therefore, he sides with Peri Megadim that Pressing situations. If necessary, the katan Are you able to do that? It means we're more than just saying you could. We're saying, technically speaking, this is okay, but we'd like to stay away from this under most circumstance. I'm making that more very clearly. If we actually thought this was a full-fledged issue, we would not say under pressing So you say, no kiriyata Torah. You only have nine people in the synagogue. We don't take out a sefer and read from it. We only read if you have ten men in the synagogue. As a result, it means we have a safek lahalacha but we're willing to be lenient. What is the claim, what is the rationale to be made for letting a katan read? After all, I, again, the way we started the class, we said the knee-jerk response, the intuitive angle on this is that a child cannot, the same way a child can't say kiddush for me in order to fulfill my mitzvah on Friday night of kiddush, so too a child shouldn't be able to read from the Sefer Torah. How could a child read from the Sefer Torah? Again, we're not talking about his aliyah, or the aliyah of a woman, we're talking about being mosi. The angle goes as follows in several Rishonim in source number eight, Rosh and Perek Zayn of Masechet Berachot and others, they have the following suggestion. What is it that we're doing when we read the Sefer Torah in the synagogue? Is it a mitzvah similar to, for argument's sake, Mikra Megillah, in which we're supposed to read the words? It's a chovat keriah, it's an obligation that those words be recited by us. Is it similar to prayer in the traditional fashion of reciting words? What is it that we're doing when we read from a Sefer Torah? And if you read the words of Rosh, quoting from Rabbeinu Tam, he suggests all we need to do in that circumstance, and I'll bring you back to Ma'amad Sinai for argument's sake, is listen to the words of the Torah. That's it. There's no obligation per se that each of us read that we would therefore need to step back and say, well, show me Akaone, I heard him read, so it's as if I was reading. Not the obligation. The obligation is, or the suggestion of the rabbis, the takanah of the rabbis is, that we hear words of Torah. Halas. It's for that reason, by the way, we don't go this way in a normative fashion, that Harambam, his Pesach Halacha, more than one place is, if you're dealing with a Sefer Torah, which is Pasul, or by extension, he writes this in 
one of his tishubot. All you have is a humash. You could use that as keriata. Well, you could use that as keriata as well. How can you even make such a claim? I'm not arguing this normative. As a matter of fact, Rabbi Yosef Masas was asked about this people who were traveling to, I forgot where, in Morocco. They got very angry. How could I bring a Sefer Torah with you or stay at home? Don't, uh, don't go out and lose your Sefer Torah. They wanted to just use a humash. But that's Harambam's opinion on this matter. How could you make such a claim? The way you make such a claim is that Kiryata Torah at its core is qualitatively different than those other natured mitzvot. It's to hear words of Torah. It's again, the Har Sinai experience. I heard Torah, I was inspired by it. It's inspirational, it's educational. It's not per se a recitation. It's not per se a procedural mitzvah in which I say something. If that's the case, I'll tell you a story in a moment. If that's the case, even a katan could do it. There was some years ago, one of my rabbis in Yeshiva University was asked about whether a woman could read Ashkenazim, some Syrians today I see as well, read the Ketubah under the Chupah. So the question was, could a woman read the Ketubah? Now, reading the Ketubah, we all might know is not really halakha. We don't read it. I mean, if it's halakha, then... Huh? I was going to say my marriage was ineffective. It's not true. The <laughs> rabbi of the young Israel Staten Island read it at my wedding, but we needed to give him a kabod. But generally speaking, you know, my brother, mm, also married Ashkenazi, whatever, in general, you know, each of your weddings where they didn't read the kid to us. So that's right, my other brother, that's right, my youngest brother. Now, so uh, that being the case, it, it goes as so he was asked this question in a public forum, and he said, What do you mean? Even a monkey could read the Ketuban. Oh my goodness, he was destroyed publicly for how could you compare women to monkeys? And I understand the claim. You have to just, for a moment, take your head out of a public atmosphere and think about the Beit Midrash, where comparing monkeys to human beings, monkeys to Moshe Rabbeinu, is not crazy. You know, you're trying to figure this out. That's the way you term it, not because you were being insensitive. Of course, there's fault to be had for saying that publicly, but ultimately speaking, there was no such intention. But that's the argument over here. The argument over here is Kiryat HaTorah, at its core, by its nature, just about having the words read in front of the people. I'll not prove it. I'll suggest it from the words of Harambam. If you look at the words of Harambam at the beginning of Hilchot Tefillah, at the beginning of Hilchot Megillah, and then at the beginning of, well, what is Mikrat Kiryat Torah, he has particular wording. In source number nine, his wording is Mitzvat Aseh Lihit Palil Bechol Yom. You could read the rest of it for your own education, but those are the words. The mitzvah is to pray every day. Pray is interpreted as the recitation of those words with a heartfelt intention. In Mikra Megillah, Hilchot Kiryata Megillah, Hilchot Megillah, right? Saram Bam Kiryata Megillah, Bismana Mitzvata Semitivre Sofrim, Advarim Yeduim Shi Takanadim, Vakol Hayavim, what's the next word? Be Kriata. Mitzvah Mikra Megillah is that we read it. In fact, the Beracha we make, Al Mikra Megillah. Right, that's what we do in Megillah. What do we do in Kiryata Torah? Although we call it Kiryata Torah, says Saram Bam here in source number 11, Moshe Rabbeinu Tiken Lahem Israel Shi Yu Korin Batora U Bash. ברבים בשבת בשני בחמישי בשחרית כדי שלא ישהו שלושה ימים בלא שמיעת Torah. At its core, Kriyat Torah is just a way of making certain that the people hear Torah. That being the case, the argument, go, the argument goes, 
children could and would be just as included as adults in getting forth the words of Torah. They said the words of Torah in front of the people. Everybody heard it. Ah, maybe it was a squeakier voice. It happens to be it wasn't a squeaky voice. It happens to be spread beautifully, much better than I certainly could. Anyway, that being the case, is that fully accepted? It's not fully accepted. There are detractors. For example, source number 12. Source number 12, Shailot Tishbot Tashbet. Tashbet, Rabbi Shimon ben Semach Turan was a 14th century Spanish rabbi who makes his way to Algeria after some sort of initial expulsion. Um, anyway, he writes the following. He says that, so the only reason children and women are allowed to get an aliyah is because there's other aliyot. So on the days when there's seven aliyot, at least we heard the others. We don't need to per se hear seven aliyot. She'en kukriyat shiva l'chvodayom and so forth. He quotes the Gemara. The Kevan. Aval. This is the key line, third line over here. Any circumstance where, quote, there's an obligation to read the Torah, a child may not read it. He's unequivocal. He's very clear about that on halachic grounds. It would be inappropriate and insufficient. But he would disagree with anything and everything we had in the, in the realm of leniency on this matter, which means to say, yes, I'm. In the first thing, it says the minyan of seven, right? So is Yes, there, there is a, a tremendous, uh, with regards to the child reading or the child aliyah. It, it would play out the same way the truth is, because even by the aliyah, there's a question that maybe on Shabbat, past the first three, the first three are, so to speak, the primary ones. For the kavod of Shabbat, we added on four more, four more. For Rosh Chodesh, we added on one more, for, and so forth. So the suggestion of some is that it could only read, he could only read after the first three, and he could as well read it, in addition to Aliyah. It's not fully accepted. Chacham Vadya Yosef has rooms and room and grounds on both ends. To the best of my understanding, the practice in the community at large, maybe world at large, is if the child is going up and reading from the Sefer, uh, even on Mondays and Thursdays, generally speaking, there is a permissibility that's practiced. Yes, sir? And that situation, you know what, you have to, let's say, make the Mitzvah team, they have them reread it? If he did it, we're saying, I'm at Here's an example that happened years ago in Shale Shalom. There was a scheduling conflict with the youth minyan. Mm. My son prepared an aliyah. It turns out, I think it was the Shabbat. It was supposed to be one of the Shabbats of intercession. They didn't mm. realize that the minyan was going to be canceled. Mm. So I think I either came to you or I came to one of them. I wasn't there intercession. Yeah. No. no. What we ended up doing is, we just, I think he read the Shabbat before from Minha. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if you had the Habal Torah reread it, but we did this in the main minyan. I'll put my money on it. I didn't have it reread because of this class. Exactly. We, yeah. did it, we did it in the yeah, main yeah, minyan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so Hacham David Yosef, in addition to others, suggests that that's what lies at the core of this issue. The question is the nature of Kiryat Torah. Is Kiryat Torah by its nature an obligation on each of us to be reading from the Sefer, in which case a Katan could not do that? Or alternatively, is it by nature something that we hear, in which case a Katan could do it. Of course, there's a little bit of another dimension which we haven't focused as much on, and that's the enigmatic Aiki words of Kevot Sibur. This Kevot Sibur, which again is in the background in some way or fashion, but hasn't made its way per se into the forefront because we're not fully certain about that. It was never explicitly stated by Katan. 
the matter was addressed by Chacham Ovadia Yosef himself. Isn't that the embarrassment of the rest of the people if he reads Bible? That is interesting. I gotcha. That's a Mishnah in Masechet Sukkan Daflamet Chet. The Mishnah over there says that a woman could say Halel for her husband. Aval, however, Tavo Me'era. He'll be cursed. Explains Rashi, ah, you don't know how to read, and she does, she's illiterate back then, and she does. That is raised in this context, and Chacham Vadya Yosef does address that as well, but the counterclaim is... I gotcha. Oh, that's why specifically women, but children should know how to read. Interesting, interesting, interesting. It's your way to, way to distinguish. Chacham Vadya Yosef. I gotcha, I gotcha. It's the way to distinguish this. It doesn't take away. Chacham Vadya Yosef here in Sheilod Shvot Yehavedat Chelekeh in Siman Kafe suggests the following. He's not all too excited in his punchline with regards to this. He says if it's a pressing need situation, not fully defined what a pressing need situation is. Linyan Halacham, reading first from the last paragraph. Nirash Lechatechila, En Lehatilekatan. This is ideally the Katan shouldn't be reading it. If there's no one else to be reading, if nobody else knows how to appropriately read, he says in that sort. So effectively, he's, he's siding with Piri Megadim, with Mishnah Berurah that we read from earlier. Again, that's how he seems to pinpoint the issue. He is scathingly uh, uh, strong against a contemporary a bit before him, but they overlapped Chacham Ovadiah Hadaya earlier in that Teshuvah, where Chacham Ovadiah Hadaya says there is no room under any circumstance for a child to, to read for the Sibur. Absolutely not. Chacham Ovadiah Yosef, in those lines that I have beforehand in source number 14, says, Why not? What are you talking about? Did you forget all our sources? Sources we mentioned earlier that really Kiryat Torah might just be saying the words so that people hear it. He cites it from Rosh, he cites it from from Rabbeinu Tam, from Mi'iri, from several others. Also, he says he's not, the fact that he's willing to knock him, and then, you know, you figure he's coming on strong, he's going to, he ends and he says, B'Sha'at HaDahak, if there's nobody else to read, so then you could do it. All right, that much in it of itself already for me for some time uh, was the development of this issue. It was the development of this issue which in turn led me to the following, and again, before we uh, perhaps capitalize a little bit more on the words of the Yosef family, but uh, led me to the following feeling and, and, and suggestion in this context. If there is a circumstance similar to the one that Dr. Glazer mentioned, certainly to the one that we had this past week, where the child has prepared. Alternatively, the following comes up very often. The child is prepared to read for the bar mitzvah parasha, but they forgot. They're not bar mitzvah yet. And they walk into the knis. Oh my goodness, they've been practicing for half a year. They don't have that. And they put it all in. Is that it? Are we finished? Maybe the answer is yes. Alternatively, we've to the best of my knowledge, many people, if not all, in those circumstances, know the child could read. Which means to say, not only when nobody else could read, we call it sha'atadachak, we call it sorech, sorech gadol circumstances, because we have solid, very solid grounding to argue that it's appropriate for the child to read. Again, it would have been, and it was, it was nice for me to develop and state it as such. Then, a year or two ago, I got delivered to my mailbox, in my email box, rather, um, the uh, Alon Shavu'i, the uh, weekly um, uh, write-up of Rabbi David Yosef's uh, Shi'urim. He gives a Shi'urim. I'm sure this is online, you can watch it on YouTube, but I read it in the Alon Yahavedad. So he deals with two separate issues. Uh, the two that we've mentioned. First, the child getting an aliyah. 
And second, the child reading from the Torah. And so he defines what does it mean, Sorech Gadol. First thing, he says, with regard to the child getting an aliyah, he says, I once had the following situation. I'm trying to not give them an aliyah on Mondays and Thursdays, but the grandfather was sick. Grandfather was not going to be able to get to synagogue on Shabbat. And as a result, they wanted the grandfather to be present as the grandchild read from the Sefer. I guess it's before the days of FaceTiming, but even if it's in the day, it's not, it's two years ago, even if it's in the day, to be present in the moment, to be able to be driven there during the week where you're sick and wouldn't be able to get there on Shabbat, says Cham David Yosef, that's Sorech Gadol. That's Sorech Gadol? Tell the grandfather, I'm sorry, Halakha overrides. Unless Halakha is not as rigid as it perhaps would have appeared initially, and Sorech Gadol needs to be somewhat circumstantially defined. Yes, Charles? That's the other example of Hacham David Yosef. He says another example. He says it explicitly. They came from America. They're at the Kotel, and they got panic attack. They realized, this. of course, it happens to everyone. I get this question. 10 times a year, which is what I repeated this whole week. And I said, I do this all the time. You think this is the first time? But it's a bit... Than the, the it could be. That's if they're only reading their aliyah. I've on more than one occasion, on a consistent basis, whenever it comes up, said that they can read all the aliyot for this reason. But you're right. Right now, he's only talking about the aliyah per se. The next issue, what about in, uh, reading the Sefer? So on that matter, if you look at the bottom of the page, two lines from the bottom, I will remind you briefly that his father took a stance on this. His father's punchline, we read at the end of source number 14, he said only when there's nobody else to read from the Sefer. It was Harari's extension, but, uh, but son, and the sons of Hacham of Adar are very adherent to their father's words. They stick to them almost under all circumstances. And on this matter, he says, Avi Adoni Mori Verbi Maran Zichron Sadik Vekadosh Varcha, two lines from the bottom page. Katab Benose Hazet Teshuba Veshelot Teshubot Yahavedat Halekesiman Cafe. Happens to be, if I'm not mistaken, the introduction to the new versions of Yahavedat, he takes credit for writing most, most of them together with his father. So it means he's present as this is being written, not just speaking as an ex, but he was present. He's also very respectful. There's umasik, and he says the conclusion of his father, in a matter of great pressing need, you can be lenient. And the explanation to his words, it's no question, Peri Magadi, Mishnah Berura, all those sources we saw earlier, nobody else is going to read from the Sefer. The child reads from the Sefer. Ulam, however, says son about the father's words. Yesh lomar shedevarav nasovu gam bemakom shenar bar mitzvah. There it is, Charles, explicitly. The bar mitzvah boy prepared the entire keriyah. This might be even for Shabbat, the entire Kiryah. I read the entire Kiryah. Ulam adayin lo nichnas ba'ol mitzvot mamash. But he's still not fully bar mitzvah. Kevan she'erak b'malach ha-shavua yachul yom holadeto. He's reading the parashat devarim, but he's really going to be bar mitzvah on Monday or Tuesday. Vim nomar lo likror rak et aliyah shelo. So you say the bar mitzvah boy who prepared the whole parashah, we love you very much. Next year you'll have your chance to do it again. But for this time, just read your aliyah. We'll give you a nice aliyah. We'll do uh, imagine the boy in that. So, it'll be a sorrowful, it'll be a painful decision for. Says I'm certain that my father would be lenient in such a circumstance as well. 
In my opinion, although I didn't have Chacham David Yosef at my disposal in the past, I, do, I did this past uh, Friday in making the decision, but again, it was to me a, a, a seamless transition from our sources and our understanding of this halacha with regards to the leniencies that are in hand, don't even call leniencies, call it the reality of the circumstance that is there and the practice that has been in the past under circumstances to suggest that in this sort of circumstance, not that every Rosh Chodesh we're going to have a child reading from the Sefer, not that every Minhan Shabbat we're going to have a child reading from the Sefer, but if there's a story that's connected to it, where there's a phone call, because there's a story connected to it, not only is there room and grounds for being, for, for, for being lenient on this, there's grounds and rooms to being necessarily lenient on this. Is this fully accepted? Not fully, as we've discussed. There is, Rav Moshe Feinstein, in Igerot Moshe Helek Bet, or Achayim Siman Ayin Bet, he's dealing with, Beta'u Bizman, Heyoto Ben Yod Gimel. You said it happened to you, Charles, it happens to Ashkenazim as well. They're uncertain, they made a mistake on the 13-year-old status. He goes through and he's not very excited about it, Rav Moshe Feinstein. More than the poskim we saw in the past, is less leniency and less room for leniency in his mind. Aval! From the second to last line of the second to last paragraph, mm-hmm. if it's going to be painful for them, they're not going to be able to read and be prepared. All right, get over it. You know, he learned Torah. No, no, but if it's going to be painful, there's something sentimental to this. We were all planning on hearing him. The, the, yes, Rami? I cited 16 sources after Maran. Maran brings up women. Yeah. Nobody else talks about women. Okay. Many talk about women. These sources, our sources, because we're not addressing women in this class. So it's an interesting question. It's an interesting question. No, I wouldn't per se, and I'll tell you why. Because I'll tell you, Maran says that a woman should not be penekavotzibur. I am. But. All right. I, I hear you. So you, you have the Ezra, you have the Ezra uh, analysis here as well to be mehalek between olin and likro. Again, it's the lashon of the beraita, and the lashon of the beraita I think interchanges them because an aliyah once upon a time was keria. Although you know, it's, it's food for thought. Uh, I don't know what you're starting here, but uh, that that's Ramosha Feinstein. Ramosha Feinstein again as well in our source sixteen makes the point b'makom tzorich gadol, and he defines it as our circumstance. Again, as I said, I'm presenting to you the case for, that's not to say, and I'll uh, on purpose leave you off with the counterclaim Rabbi Mazuz, whom I uh, revere very much and mention his opinions very often. He's the Rosh Yeshivat today of Yeshivat Kisera Hamim. He's from Jerba originally. He's a strong Sfaradi thinker. The Mishnah Beruraz that we have here have the commentary of it's a collection of different rabbis from his yeshiva and his opinions recorded in it very often. On this matter, he wrote on the column on the side of he disagrees strongly. In the middle of this first line, Rabim Zila Behu Milta Many people will feel that it's inappropriate if a young child is reading for them. He cites Tosafot and Sukkah. Gabi, that's your sugya over there on Daflamit Chet. Ubifrat. And he says, and furthermore, and he goes onward to dissect the words of Hacham Yosef. However, the core and principal line of reason for him is 
kevod zibur, which he's not easily defining, but he is determining based on the fact that people will feel uncomfortable. I mention therefore, and I mean it, if the congregation does feel uncomfortable, if after being educated, that's the better way to say it, they feel uncomfortable with it, even at, with the education, so then I do believe there is a problem of kivot zibur. Now, kivot zibur is far from simple and easy to define, but one thing we can agree on, and that is, that is contextually and subjectively determined. If the congregation wherein the child is reading is uncomfortable, how are you going to define that as by majority? We're not going to get that quantified and scientific on this matter, but if after an appropriate education there's still a discomfort, then I would argue that it is inappropriate. Personally, I don't believe that is the reality because I do believe, although maybe it's conjecture, maybe it's a mistake on my end, that if any person were to have in their mind the bar mitzvah boy, the grandson, in that type of situation, they would, if given ample opportunity within the halacha domain, to make the claim that this is permitted, accept that as a leniency, and accept and understand this could be kibbutzibur again, provided that they're reading appropriately, provided that this is being done, and it's not a hazit hesed situation, which it was not, and I verified that in, in preparation for it. To very briefly summarize the issues that we addressed with regards to a child reading from the Torah for the Minyan, we addressed fundamentally two angles, two directions to understanding why and what it is we're doing when we read from a Torah. That's really the fundamental issue over here. Are we reciting the words through the Baal Koreh? Is it a Hovat Kirya? Or alternatively, are we being uh, inspired? Are we studying Torah? In truth, we've in the past given classes on that matter that there was some sort of shift, this is a longer conversation which we've had in the past, there was some sort of shift from the days of Moshe the way we, our sources describe it to the days of Ezra as the Pesukim describe it with regards to what Kiryat Torah was. In the days of Moshe it was somewhat of a rote uh, a repetition. You recited the words of God. In the days of Ezra, it's Vayavinu Bamikra, it's about Havana, it's about understanding. In the days of Moshe, it's Hakel, bring even the illiterate. In those days, unfortunately, it was the women and the children. Have them all present. That's the way Harambam writes it at the end of Hilchot Hagiga. Have them all present to hear because they'll be inspired to Dat Emet. They're not being educated, they're just being inspired. That's what it once was. Alternatively, in today's days, post-Ezra, it's an educational atmosphere. It's an atmosphere where we hear and we're inspired by the definition and understanding of those words. Those are the two vantage points with regards to understanding this issue. If we're to make the claim that it's recitation, that we're saying the words, you can't say the words through a katan if he's not mehuyab If alternatively, it's about the words being read in front of me. I know your mind therefore says, I could put on a recording. You can't put on a recording. There's a tradition to this. You need someone to be reading it. So even if it's a child who's reading it, child who's reading it is appropriate then unless we deal with this intangible, this difficult to pinpoint understanding of kivod sibur. But that's effectively how everything layers out. It makes its way through the generations with some feeling uncomfortable and others embracing and some timidly getting into it. Hacham Vadya Yosef, interestingly, after he analyzes all the issues, after he throws a punch to the right and to the left of Hacham Vadya Hadaya, nonetheless concludes, but you can read, he can, if nobody else knows knows how to. It's a little surprising, and it felt that way to me the first and second time that I learned it, and I interpreted it further. Thankfully, his son interpreted it likewise, and in our sources,
sort of situation where the child prepared to read from the Sefer on Shabbat in the child minyan is prepared but wasn't given that opportunity, in my humble opinion, that's Sorech Gadol, where it is appropriate for the child to be able to read the Sefer for the minyan. Baruch Adonai Amen